Welcome to our podcast. My name is Valerie Navarro, and I'll be your host for today's podcast on multiple myeloma. Our guest today is Dr. Ulf Henrik Melchrist, who has been in the field and has seen the changing landscape of treatment for myeloma. Welcome. Why don't you tell us a bit about your background? I started uh, within the field of hematology in 1989, so I treated my first um, patients with multiple myeloma almost 30 years ago. Uh, I started to work at a local hospital, uh, South Elsbury Hospital in Borås, uh, when I finished medical school. And then I went to a university hospital, uh, Solvenska University Hospital, here in uh, Gothenburg. And uh, I have also performed research within the fields of acute leukemia and especially multiple myeloma. I am an associate professor in hematology and I'm the head of the the sections for hematology, oncology and pulmonary diseases in Borås because I went back to my local hospital after 11 years at the university hospital. I still work a bit at the university hospital only with patients with plasma cell disorders like multiple myeloma. Can you tell us about the disease and the diversity of patients afflicted by it? Multiple myeloma is a type of blood cancer and it has some very specific uh, signs to it that uh, makes it very different from a common leukemia. For example, the disease Uh, can create skeletal lesions, which uh, induces pain for the patient. The disease is very different if you look from patient to patient, uh, that some of the patients will have a very severe disease with a very poor prognosis, even today with all our treatments, while other patients will do fine year after year. Uh, Still... We do know a bit about, so we can uh, make uh, some uh, prognostic uh, indications from the beginning, but still there is a lot of research that needs to be done in that area so that we could make more um, accurate uh, prognostic uh, uh, definitions. Given your experience, what do you think have been the greatest unmet patient needs in the past? I think that we only had uh, chemotherapy to treat. When when I started, there were only chemotherapy. So since this is a chronic disease, and usually you can't use chemotherapy for a long period of time, you have two severe side effects. And also since the disease kept coming back, your treatment options, the, the, within the first few years, you, you, you didn't have any more treatment options. And this has changed dramatically. Uh, so, Well, have the basic needs of patients changed as well in, these, uh, in recent years? Yes, it's an interesting question because you can say that uh, in 89, someone 75 years uh, of age, that was an... An, an elderly patient. Today, someone with 75, uh, they still some, they work, 
Uh, they go uh, abroad on holiday. They take care of their grandchildren. They are active people, and they have. They want so much more from from their. They they do not just accept that this will be over within two or three years. Oh, that's interesting. How do you see the approach to treatment evolving to address? Actually, the changes in the population that people are more active as they become older. Yeah, well, and there are two sides of that. Since they are more uh, active, they want more uh, intense. They they accept more intense treatment with with side effects because they they want to uh, uh, get a good rep- response and and live uh, longer. And also, the group of elderly people it's growing instantly, so, so, uh, all the time. So. You, we will have more and more patients, not because uh, myeloma is becoming more common, but because we are getting older and older, so we have time to develop diseases like multiple myeloma. We have seen that overall survival rates have more than doubled thanks to new treatment options. What are your thoughts and observations regarding the expansion of treatment options for Nordic Myeloma patients. Uh, this is, of course, the the uh, the biggest reason for why we have this success with all the new drugs, and also because they are uh, different. They uh, they do attack the disease from different angles, which means that if you have used one treatment and it's not working anymore, you can switch to another treatment. And also, and this is something that we're just beginning to explore, the combination of different treatments mm. could have a, a huge impact. So how would you describe the advantages for you as a physician? Is it more flexibility, more opportunities to uh, change and adapt the treatment to individual patients? And what are the advantages for your patients? Well, if I just see it from my perspective, mm. I, it's also as I get so many more options, but it's also making my job much harder when I just could choose one thing that was easy. Uh, so it's, uh, but of course, it's the, the the positive side is it's so much bigger uh, since now I can discuss with the patient and I can consider um, what kind of side effects could this patient tolerate? And I, of course, I discuss it with the patient. Yeah. This uh, treatment might increase the risk of this and that. Uh, what do you think about that? And the patient said, says, well, and what do we have other options? So we can, it's not just that I say, you are going to get this. I mentioned three different options. At the same time, I know that the patient, they want me to decide. So I would say, I think this would be the best for you because of, and then the patient can reflect on this. And some of them say, okay, most of them say, okay, but some say, no, that means that I have to come to the uh, hospital uh, every week or something like uh, that. And it's, it's, or that if I get this treatment, I can't live in I go to Spain every winter, uh, so I, I would like to have an, another kind of treatment. So, What challenges do physicians face as new drugs become available? I think that it's, uh, it's difficult to stay uh, up to date. 
and we are trying to to uh, deal with this that s- those of us who are especially interested in this disease we are we we get questions from from other colleagues and we can make suggestions to 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 them uh because it it's not only in the area of multiple myeloma the treatment uh, uh, options are increasing for all kinds of cancers so so it's very hard to be up to date with everything and also still there are so many questions that are not uh, answered yet that will this combination be better than the the other combination because you do not it's impossible to do studies with all kinds of combinations and of course there is also the side that these drugs are expensive so if you combine them you might end up with a treatment that could be very effective as i understand it what i'm hearing from you is there's a no simple if plan a but doesn't work you go to plan b and if plan b doesn't work you go to c given the diversity of patients that present in your office um how do you cope with how do you react and and provide a treatment plan for your individual patients uh well from the very beginning i i tell the patient that there are so many options and we will start with this and i just might mention that if this is not working later on we have these options and then i come back to this uh, and when i decide together with the patient what would be the next step uh i consider how did they react to the first treatment the was it effective was it uh, well tolerated i also look at what kind of patient do i have in front of me what is this uh, this person what what um do he or she have their needs and uh, i think of their comorbidities uh, and uh, where they live if it's difficult for them to travel um what kind of support do they have at home uh and so you look at the effect of the treatment and also patient characteristics and you have to be systematic yeah. and one thing that we have uh, been more and more um we have looked at more and more is that we now we just can't divide people younger and elderly because you have the fit elderly that might benefit from much more intensive treatment and they can tolerate it uh, and then you have the frail elderly where you have to be careful so that your treatment is not worse than the disease for the patient and it's also it's interesting that there are some uh, studies from uh, actually here from Gothenburg showing that the the uh, the medical status of a patient that's 70 years of age today it's the same as someone that uh, was 50 in the <laughs> 70s so elderly people are so much more fit so that's why some of these old rules we we had up to 65 you were treated as a younger patient and above 65 as an elderly and this has moved so we look especially careful um at patients from the age of 65 up to 75 what are your expectations for treatment and the life expectancy of patients within the next six years 
Uh, I would very much like to say that we start to cure patients. And there are colleagues saying already that they do cure patients. I'm not so sure, but we definitely we have about a 10% of the patients that get the most intensive treatment. They have no signs of the disease 10 years later. But since I have been in the business so long, I know that they can have a progression of their disease 15 or 16 years after they started their first treatment. So still, perhaps some of them are cured, uh, but the, the fraction is very small. But what I do... Th- what I'm sure we will see is that the life expectancy will be uh, prolonged uh, significantly. And also that we will be able to provide a more intensive first-line therapy than we do today. What do you think needs to be done in order to make even greater progress within the field of treatment? I think that we... Uh, need to do those difficult studies where we combined uh, uh, perhaps four drugs first line and you need to have uh, one of these um, options for for the uh, younger and fit elderly patients and also another option for the frail elderly and do those studies and see if we could prolong the response to the first-line treatment significantly because that would mean a lot to the patients. What is life like living with this disease? It, um, it differs a lot between patients and life with this disease can be uh, very good and it's my job to see that it gets as long as as good as possible for the patient. But I, of course, I see that uh, many of my patients, at least during some, uh, some parts of their career with this disease, they do suffer. And uh, they do suffer because the disease gives them skeletal lesions. So pain is common. Fatigue is common, both due to the treatment and the disease itself. Um, some other uh, severe side effects from treatment could be uh, neuropathy, which just add to more pain and in the worst scenario, even difficulties to, to, to move around. So if you, uh, I would say that if you ask a patient that uh, has responded very well to treatment, they sort of forget their disease a bit like someone with diabetes and you ask a patient with diabetes, I mean, are you okay? And they say, yes, but you take uh, medication every day. And they, oh yeah, that. And that's the the optimal way when a myeloma patient sort of forgets their disease. But of course, it's, uh, they know that their life uh, expectancy is shorter than others. But with all these new treatment options, I think that one of my colleagues, he said a very good thing. There was an old uh, advertisement for Volkswagen saying that nobody knows how old a Volkswagen really can get. And you could say that today also with a myeloma patient. We don't know because some of them will get very old. 
Um, there are many unanswered questions about myeloma. What kind of research would you like to be pursued in the future? Uh, well, there are, I think that we are going the right direction right now. We learn more about the mechanism with this disease. So, of course, it's more in detail with the genetics. And perhaps also that if we would have this discussion 10 years from now, we would not be discussing multiple myeloma. We would be discussing multiple myeloma type uh, A, B, C, D. Since we know that we have, there are, um, there are different kinds of myeloma. And that could be very good to know from the beginning what kind of treatment and you should give. And also perhaps knowing more patients that you could use a very mild treatment because they will not have a lot of difficulties with this disease. So I think we will have more uh, understanding about the mechanism behind the disease and also be better to divide it into different groups. Otherwise, it's to go on with the good work, doing these clinical studies, checking all the new drugs in new combinations. How do the Nordic countries compare to others when it comes to treating these patients? You could ask that in two different ways. You could say that if you compare to some centers in the world, we are a bit more conservative when it comes to the new drugs. And of course, there are economical issues behind that. Because if we decide this is a good drug, then we, we offer it to all patients, not just patients with a special uh, insurance or their own money. But if you look at how we treat the whole community with myeloma, we are doing well. The, the life expectancy for the whole group of myeloma patients, that is very good in Scandinavia. We, we do not leave anyone behind. I'm curious to know what attracted you to this field, this specialty, hematology. You could really ask that since, and many people do, since they know that patients, especially patients with myeloma, they, they, these are uh, patients with a serious disease. And I think that's what got me going, that I know they have a serious disease and I can do something about it. For me, it's much harder to meet patients that they are not so, they are not doing so bad medically, but they're, they have difficulties in their life with their work or their, their relations. And I have no tools to, to help them. So for me, it's much more difficult to meet someone who is healthy than someone who has a serious disease because there I can do a, a difference. And also, you do not take, for example, cardiology. You also see patients with serious heart disease, but you see a lot of patients, you see them just for a short while, and then they're off again, and their GP looks after them. These patients, we take care of them the whole time. So you must like to follow a patient for a, for, for a long time period of time. And I find that uh, fascinating. Yeah. What's the most exciting or rewarding part of your job? I think that when someone with myeloma and they have 
uh, they realize that they have a serious disease. We have treated them and they realize that, oh, it's, it's now 10 years since we started this and I'm still here. And I do not see that there is a, the end of the road yet. And they, and they also realize, well, I'm, I'm, my life has gone on during all the... So when they realize I'm still alive, nobody knows anything about tomorrow, but I will keep going. If I was a young doctor looking for a path, a career path, what would you say to me to encourage me to consider hematology? It's so exciting because it's interesting. The clinical work is interesting. You have lots of opportunities to do uh, scientific work. And if you're not frightened by people who have serious diseases, and if you like to get to know your patients, well, this is a, a perfect, perfect speciality. Are you optimistic about the future? I'm very optimistic. Okay. Thank you very much Thank for you. joining us today.